Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. If you enjoy this podcast and want to join my free OCD and anxiety relief community, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash Facebook. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash Facebook. See you there. All right. Today on the OCD Whisperer Show, I have Dr. Paray, who is an ND, and she's also an anxiety coach. And I'm really excited to um, talk to you today because I, I love talking to folks who are um, in the field and in the work of anxiety and who themselves have um, OCD or an anxiety disorder. Um, like I, my audience knows at this point, I have OCD and it's taking me a while to really come to terms with that and, and decide to share that openly. So um, first, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, so I have a couple of things I want to ask, and I'm sure people listening um, are also, you know, really curious because I know this this definitely comes up a lot for my audience. Which is um, one is I want to cover the topic of when it comes to OCD specifically. What would you say or you notice um, happens when it, when it comes times to make decisions? You know, I think we all are aware that OCD can manifest in, in many different ways, different subtypes, as we call it. There are some common themes people know about, like contamination or maybe harm um, OCD. But there's also other ways OCD can impact folks, like when it's when you have to make a decision um, and that you can get really kind of paralyzed at times or get scared. So I'd love to first hear a little bit about, from your point of view um, and your experience, what are some of the common ways or symptoms that you see people get stuck um, with OCD when it comes to decision-making uh, process? Yes. Okay. Awesome question. Um, and so certainly I see this with my clients, but as you mentioned, I also have OCD. So these are things that I've gone through myself. Um, sounds like you you have OCD as well. So also commend you for sharing that. It took me a while to to come to terms and share that openly as well. Um, so yeah, just always always honored to meet someone else who's on the, on a similar journey. Um, and yeah, so along that, I think the two the two biggest things that pop up around decision-making um, specifically around OCD are the same two things that tend to pop up in a lot of things with OCD, which is self-doubt and um, certainty or the desire for certainty. And so decision-making can be, um, can bring up some anxiety for just about anyone, um, whether they have anxiety or OCD or not, but those with OCD, it tends to be heightened even more so. And I think, again, that self-doubt starts to pop up of, am I making the right decision um, or am I making the wrong decision? And also wanting some sort of certainty around, is this the right decision or is this the best decision? So I do often see some perfectionism getting woven into that as well of like wanting to make just the right decision that goes into that. But of course, like anything else, oftentimes there is no certainty, certainty to be found no matter how much research you do or how long you spend coming to that decision. And sometimes the certainty that you'll find um, doesn't come until after you make a decision and you realize, oh, that worked out well or that didn't work out well. And so oftentimes people are trying to find the answer like before they actually take that action that happens there. But it often is fear. So fear of, um, again, making the wrong decision, fear of how their decision might affect others. I also see a lot of um, fear around like how how they'll be perceived for their decision that they're making. So um, kind of saying like, how will I be viewed or what will this decision mean about me as a person on a deeper level? Like, uh, and kind of a morality around the decision-making. Is this 
a good decision or a bad decision? Would a good person or a bad person make this decision? So I think that comes up as well as they start to give deeper meaning. It's not just about the decision. It also, they tend to kind of think that there's a deeper meaning around that decision as well. Yeah, you actually named a lot of great points. Exactly right. That that's definitely something I I would say I notice as well in terms of some perfectionistic pieces or that just right concept or um, get, getting really scared around making a wrong decision or how others will perceive them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say would be some of the tools or things you're aware of to for anybody listening right now? If, and if they're like, oh my gosh, that's something I deal with. I get really stuck. Um, of course, for me, I, I always tell folks, people who know me know, you know, I'll always incorporate and say, you, you've got to learn and use exposure response prevention strategies. Um, there's, of course, cognitive, um, co- other cognitive strategies that you can use. Um, you know, there's some acceptance work, mindfulness, kind of learning how to put all these together. But is, is there anything else or, or you know, can you can expand a little bit more on, on any other ways that you've worked with folks around this? Yeah, certainly. So um, one kind of the go-to, I think, for a lot of people is avoidance. Um, Of course, that's like avoiding making decisions where, um, you know, avoidance never works in terms of um, really overcoming anxiety or OCD. Temporarily, it might seem like, oh, good, I've evaded that, but it doesn't, tends not to go away. And then it gives the brain kind of false false reassurance that, oh, if we avoid it, we'll feel better, but it's very temporary. So um Oftentimes when I see people who do engage in avoidance, um, that's a great teaching point to realize because a lot of times my clients say, well, I just can't make decisions or I'm bad at making decisions. But the reality is, I mean, we all can make decisions. And how I like people to start to think about that too is not making a decision is actually making a decision. So we often think maybe there's option A or there's option B, and that's what we're toggling between. But then there's also option C. And option C is choosing not to choose option A or option B. It's to avoid. It's to sit um, in that space of of indecision. And like there's consequences that come with or outcomes that come with option A and there's outcomes or consequences that come with option B, there's also outcomes or consequences that come with not making a decision. So sometimes that can help people to realize like, oh, I I am making a decision. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then they might be more willing to, to kind of engage with the other options that are available as well. But it puts them into a place, I think, of more of an empowered position rather than disempowered of like, I can't make decisions. I'm no good at making decisions to realize I make decisions every day. So that's one piece. And then certainly exposure therapy is helpful as it is with so many different aspects or subtypes of OCD. But I work a lot with um, acceptance and commitment therapy of helping people to get in touch with and really recognize what are their values in life. And a guiding question when making decisions is um, how I have people ask is, you know, is this decision or would this decision be bringing me closer to my goals, my dreams, or my values or further away? And if it's bringing you closer to your goals, dreams, or values, it's, it's a great decision. It's a decision that will help you to gain some information. Um, And if it's bringing you further away, maybe it would be to shy away from that because ultimately the life we want to live is a value-based life rather than a fear-based life. So that's often a a great guiding post for people to use that just in general, some like overriding um, tips that can be helpful is certainly to like set a deadline for decision-making because want to give enough time where we can really, you know, do the pros and cons, but not so much time where 
Um, our, Our mind goes, runs wild that we research all of these different things. So to set a deadline, if you are researching anything, again, to like set a timer, if you're Googling to give yourself some sort of parameters so that your mind doesn't get just taken away and you're spending so much time also to limit reassurance seeking. So oftentimes I say, I just want advice, but more people's opinions that get involved, especially for someone perfectionism or people pleasing, the less clear our decision becomes, we, the less clear, like our intuitive sense of what we want. And we tend to think, okay, well, four people said this and five people said this. And then we're kind of in a lose-lose situation because it's like, if I say this, I'm going to upset four people. If I do this, I'll upset five people. And so kind of like with avoidance, it seems like a good thing to get reassurance, but ultimately it actually pulls you further away from being confident in the decision-making process. So another kind of suggestion that I have around that is you do find yourself going to ask for advice or reassurance to ask yourself, what am I hoping this person will say right now? And oftentimes there already is an intuitive sense of what we want to do. And we're just kind of looking for confirmation or reassurance that it's okay. And so can we actually cut out that other person and just lean into validating ourselves and trusting ourselves in that process? And then as often as possible, limit choices. And I think that's why it's helpful to set deadlines because you're Googling something and you're looking at all of your different options and you're trying another website and another website as an example, it's like, what went from two options can very quickly become 10 options and then you feel even more overwhelmed. So the fewer options to choose from, I think the better for anyone, but particularly someone struggling with decision-making in OCD. Beautiful. Wow. You hit on so many um, amazing and wonderful points. And and I love that. I love that you all um, named acceptance commitment therapy as well. And, And absolutely, that's definitely a part of that process for sure. I think, yeah, getting clear kind of what are your values right? What is actually important to you? What is meaningful for you? Um, and I think that's a, such a great um, grounding place to come back to, to anchor yourself into like, yeah, is this moving me in that direction or away from that? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if we sit here longer, we can dive into things like, well, somebody can, I'm sure you've probably seen this too, right? Where they can start to compulsively rationalize like, well, th- this isn't my, this is, this is aligned with my values. So I'm going to go now and check, you know, a bunch yes. of and it's like, hold on a second, but is it really part of your value? Or you're just kind of finding a good rationalization to explain why you should keep compulsing. So <laughs> absolutely. I am guilty of that myself. I will say <laughs> earlier on before I uh, in my recovery process, certainly, um, about that, like perfectionism is a value of mine and I'm going to keep checking this. And, um, that's where it became really helpful for me to start to realize my core values, because that thing with like, we can like things or we can have preferences, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there are core values and OCD is so sneaky and so adaptable that it, it likes to trick it, like kind of weasel its way in where it can and trick us. But I think to, at least I know for me at my core, I recognize when it's not necessarily a value. Um, But I think even to that point too, that's where it can be helpful of um, recognizing too that even if we're trying to make value-based decisions or a good decision and we're using all of our tools, sometimes we'll just make poor decisions or we'll make fear-based decisions or we'll make the quote wrong decision. And that's a part of being human and no amount of recovery will, will take that away. That's part of growing and learning. And as you show up in the world, you're bound to make mistakes. You're bound to, you know, go backwards sometimes. And so I think that that's also a part of it because I notice as I'm working with clients and they get better at using their tools and showing up from a value-based place, 
they can become compulsive around that. Like, was that a value-based decision or was that not a value-based decision? And almost trying to be perfect in their recovery. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another place also to just um, remind people and encourage them. Like, you don't have to be perfect in your recovery. Like, that actually goes kind of against the whole point of, of recovery in and of itself. And that you don't have to convince yourself that, like oftentimes I'll work with people, like you made the best decision that you could at the time, which I do think is, is true all the time, but that that can be compulsive too, to like reassure yourself, like I made the best decision. Sometimes we don't make the best decision and that's also okay. I think that's when we can lean into realizing that we're resourceful. We can handle what comes our way. We're capable of changing our mind. And so, um, yeah, kind of releasing, I think some of the need to make the appropriate value-based decision all of the time can be helpful too. Yeah. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Same for me before I, you know, really kind of came to terms with, you know, that it's in fact OCD I'm dealing with a hundred percent. I definitely remember getting really, so perfectionism is one of my OCD issues, relationship OCD, um, fear of doing something wrong. Like those are definitely my, my, my things. And, you know, and like I'm in recovery, I specialize in this and that stuff still comes up. It's not like mm-hmm. it, does, it doesn't. And the reality is like, I've totally made some bad decisions and I've totally done things completely imperfectly. And mm-hmm. I've, you know, and it's just a matter of learning, continuing, like you said, to learn about yourself and how does OCD manifest. And, um, and that even when you did mess up or something did go awry, that you can still learn from it and apply it for next time. It's not like it's all lost. Absolutely. Um, right. Just keep learning. So I would like to shift gears and because, you know, you, you're an ND. So I'd like to first have you explain what does that mean? So for anybody listening, if they don't know what that stands for, um, to tell us a little bit. And also then would love to ask you, especially because of this field that you're in, more from a holistic point of view you know, when we're dealing with anxiety disorders, of course, we don't want to avoid anxiety, but if we just step away from all of that for a minute and really just talk about more a holistic perspective, right? Um, What can, or should people pay attention to in terms of, you know, other things to look at, like maybe lifestyle shifts or just in general things that might be good things to just, you know, pay attention to, or maybe do uh, for overall well-being, especially when it comes to anxiety. Yeah. Love to chat about that. So yeah, I'm an MD, which is a naturopathic doctor. So um, it's basically a system of medicine where we really focus on individualized care and um, supporting people as holistically as possible when we can. So went to four years of, um, you know, doctorates for my naturopathic medical degree. And in that time, we learned kind of the basic sciences, like a traditional medical doctor, but then where a traditional medical doctor will focus more so on um, pharmaceuticals. We learn the pharmaceuticals, but also focus on some different herbs or supplements, um, dietary changes, homeopathy, um, acupuncture, those types of things to try to stimulate the body to heal in um, maybe some more holistic ways. And so kind of blending that in, that certainly was helpful in my personal recovery, um, but I blend that in with the work that I do with clients now. And I do what I call integrative coaching, where it's like we talked about ERP and act and cognitive behavioral therapy is certainly very important, but don't want to forget that we are, you know, we're human beings with a physiological component as well. And, uh, when we're feeling anxious and when our OCD is triggered, there's certain physiological things that are happening in the brain, whether we're focusing, whether we're shifting into like a fight or flight space or, um, 
we're having digestive complaints or headaches or tingly or feeling like we're going to pass out. When you're in that space, it can be really hard, even if you know, and this also was how I started in my, it was like, I know I should be doing ERP, but I'm actually so terrified that like, I feel like my heart's going to beat out of my chest and I'm sweating. And I just, I felt like I just couldn't do it at that time where to be able to bring my body, my physical body back into balance so that I wasn't reacting as strongly. It helped me to be more prepared to be able to do some of the ERP. And so that's really the approach that I take is, is there anything that we can supplement to kind of bring your body back into balance? Sometimes that's hormonally, but sometimes there's hormonal components that go into anxiety. Not that you're going to take a supplement and your OCD is going to go away by any means, but perhaps your thyroid's a little bit off or your vitamin D is a little off um, or you have hormonal imbalances um, and we could just adjust those a little bit where you're more willing or able um, to, to do some of the more cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, it's very individualized. So 10 different clients could come in with OCD and those 10 clients would get a very different um, treatment plan. It would we'd just really be looking at how does it show up for them what are their particular goals? And it's very um, like solutions focused. So it's not so much of just talking about like, oh, what's going on in your life, but where do you want to go and what can really help us get there? So definitely use some supplements and herbs and homeopathy, and then also just like um, gratitude practices and um, like being out in grounding in the sunlight and outdoors. So things to kind of bring people back, certainly in nature, but to ground themselves. Sometimes with anxiety, it can make us feel so ungrounded. So to kind of bring them back to the earth and being one with the earth as much as possible, I found to be really helpful as well. Beautiful. And, and have you noticed also like anything around, it sounds like also in there probably would be things like exercise or like gratitude or mindfulness, some sort of practice or looking at some sort of stress reduction components, yes. as well as like you were just saying, like even kind of your um, intake and, and really just knowing your own body, like what's going yeah. on in your body. Like I, for example, recently did not know, but like about two months ago, I learned I'm extremely apparently deficient in vitamin D. Mm, so I've been yes. increasing and working on getting, getting that back up. Everything else looks like it's in balance. Yeah. Like that was one. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize some of the impact that that had. Right. Or yeah. like, or like, Oh, eating more like raw more vegetarian, fresh mm -hmm. food and kind of how that started impacting my mood and yes. in general, like things like that. Like, is that kind of stuff too that you? Yes, definitely. And I think that, so kind of my approach is it, I'm not of the, the camp like that. Oh, you're going to change your diet and your anxiety is going to go away. You're going to find this one supplement and your anxiety is going to go away or even ERP and your anxiety is going to go away. First of all, I, the work that I really do is as being a human, everyone has anxiety. Your anxiety actually isn't going away, but we can create healthier relationships with it. We can kind of take our anxiety out of the driver's seat. But I also see it like, okay, well, maybe finding out that you're vitamin D deficient is one little slice of the pie. And then getting on a healthy exercise um, cycle is another little piece of the pie. And then, right, working with your diet. So they're all, it, I see it kind of like we're building, we're filling up your toolkit with different things that could help. Um, versus like finding just that one magic bullet, which I know so many people want to find yes. um, and think it's a quick <laughs> fix. I mean, in my years of doing this, I have not found that. Obviously, there's outliers where, again, we find out it's someone's thyroid or they're really sensitive to particular food and then they get significantly better. But in general, they're very small, conscious, continuous shifts that when put together, really make a big impact. And so I'm really of the, the school of thought that we start kind of 
small and we build upon that, but people, their motivation increases. They realize making one small shift can lead to another, it can lead to another, but yes, it is kind of, again, taking an intake to see where they're at and where we get kind of the most bang for the buck, so to speak, starting. Some people will start with diet. Some people will start with supplements. Some people will start with a mindfulness or meditation practice. And then we kind of, we add upon that, but it really is them to realize they have a lot more control over their health and their healing than they think, especially with OCD. Oftentimes we get caught thinking we don't have control and we get caught up in this illusion of control. We try to control things that aren't actually in our control. And so the work that I do is kind of handing people the power in terms of these are things you actually are in control of. And so let's put our time and energy here and like release the illusion of control of like mind reading or thinking like magical thinking and that kind of stuff and rerouting it back in daily practices that you actually are in charge of that could ultimately um, really support your well-being. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really beautifully said. Exactly right. I, you just named it. Yeah, it's, it's learning all the different tools you have at your disposal and kind of what to use when, yeah. and what are some of those good foundational things to have. Um, like you said, that are really individualized for each person. But just learn what those are, and then I'm, I'm always a fan of telling folks, you know, come back to basics. Like we, we forget mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Because I definitely know CD. I mean, God, I know I certainly have. Like. I just want to have that. Like, what's that one quick thing? What's that thing? Come on, just tell me. I know it's missing somewhere. Just give it to me. Mm-hmm. You realize, yes. nope, nope. That's not really quite how it works. Yes. Um, yes. And you got to put in some of that effort and work and, and build it build it up and build yourself up and, and realize that you can actually do it and, and learn then when to use what tool, what strategy, yeah. right? Yes, that's really important too. And I think that the more coping skills and just tools that you have, it's like not the same one won't work all of the time. And so the more that you have available and the more, the better you get at using them, you'll be able to realize, oh, I'm going to pull this one now, or I'm going to pull this one now. And that's what really helps, helps people, I think, to ultimately feel better. But yeah, I think I, again, I went through this myself, but see it with clients all the time. It's like, oh, that sounds good. But like, what else do you have for me? Like, that seems like a lot of work. And we we think sometimes like gaining more information will help us to heal, but it's the combination of certainly gaining information and having support, but nothing is going to replace actually taking action, right? You can gain all of the knowledge in the world, but if you don't do it, it not a whole lot's going to change. And I think that's why people, at least a lot of them that come to me with more of the holistic background, kind of are desperate for like, tell me the food or that one supplement to take that's yes. going to get rid of my anxiety. And I feel like, I let so many people down by like saying like, okay, well that's like to kind of managing expectations around that. But that's also something I think there are a lot of people out there qualified or unqualified that do market it in that way. Like I took magnesium and my OCD went away and it's like, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but that's very rare if that were the case. And I think that the more that people are talking about that with, without really saying everything that went into the healing process, it's very misleading. And I think that that's what keeps people like thinking, give me the one supplement when in reality, that stuff certainly is helpful. Um, and I've seen it work really well, but it very much is in combination with lifestyle changes with, um, like more of the mindfulness type stuff. So I've seen it to be a combination, which is, can be hard work, um, but is absolutely rewarding and worth it. I've never had anyone go through the process and say like, that was a lot of work and I wish I didn't do it. Like, yeah, that was a lot of work and I'm so glad that I did it. So yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. I I can't say I've had people who are like, oh, I wish I didn't do it. When, when, when they, when folks really commit and and we, when we dive in, right. 
Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, how can people find you if they'd like to reach out to you? Yes. Um, so I'm on Instagram, Dr. Courtney Perez. So D-R-C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-P-A-R-E. And also that's my website, um, drcourtneyperay.com. So those are two ways that people can stay in touch if they like to yeah, follow along or learn more. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you are ready to take control of your life, join our free five-day OCD Recovery Kickstart Challenge. Go to www.coreresults.com forward slash number five day challenge. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash number five, the word day and challenge.